Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, time to look at other parts of the world uh, now, with uh, as ever, with Jonathan DeBurka Butler. Jonathan, good afternoon to you. Sean, how are you keeping? Not too bad. Right, Myanmar, uh, we're going to go to first. And uh, the journalists who fled the coup face, uh, is it de- uh, deportation to, th- to Thailand? No, they're in Thailand at the moment. So this right. is three journalists uh, from the broadcasting company called DVB. So this is... Um, It'd be a well-known broadcasting company that's actually based in Oslo, but kind of um, sends its images into Myanmar and I suppose would see themselves as being on the side of the truth. Uh, and therefore the military junta don't like them, as you can imagine. Um, so the military junta have been back in power since February of this year. Um they're there because they basically said that there was fraud during the last democratic elections. Uh, I think it was more to do with the fact that they didn't like the result of the last general elections. And um, they have promised that they would hold free and fair elections once the state of emergency is over. But when that is, we don't know. And as the world has been watching, of course, there's been lots of protests. There's been lots of arrests. Many people have died. And a good few journalists uh, are among the 5,000 people that have been arrested so far, right? That, that 5,000 that we know of that have been arrested so far. Uh, but some did manage to skip over the border into Thailand, uh, where they have taken refuge. And um, unfortunately for these guys, uh, it looks like there's a good chance that Thailand will uh, send them back if if they do charge them well they have charged them already but if they do find them guilty on on illegally entering the country um and it's a bit of a strange one because thailand you know historically has always been a place of refuge for journalists and activists who've been you know have always nipped over the border into the country anytime that the the military have been in power in myanmar um they have a mixed kind of a record but for the for the majority you know they kind of tolerate uh, people being there even without the correct documents and visas and all that kind of thing um that said they haven't necessarily signed up to the the, the convention and protocol this is the united nations convention and mm. protocol on refugees so you know on a whim they kind of can send people back and, and it's really up to them uh, as to what they want to do but there's been a lot of international focus on this particular case, um, I suppose, because if they do send them back, it would set a precedent. Um, and so the hope is that, uh, you know, Thailand will see fit not to send them back because let's be frank about it. They're, you know, they, they're lawyers and they say they are in danger or they will be in danger should they be sent back. And it's um, it's hard to see that they wouldn't be. Crikey. That's a uh, that's a bit of a rollback then uh, uh, for Thailand and and a huge worry for them uh, uh, for those people who are who are facing this. Uh, right, uh, China. We're going to go to uh, next, and uh, the uh, the population of China is slowing. I think it's possibly not a bad thing. It's awfully big as it is. Yeah. It, well, you could argue it is. It might and it mightn't be. Um, <laughs> it, it depends on how you look at it, I suppose. I mean. The, the, I know we've been talking a lot about China today, but sure, we will keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, this is the, every 10 years they do a census. OK, and it's growing. Uh, they found that the population is growing at its slowest pace in, in decades. Right. So basically, instead of a growth rate between 2000 and 2010 of 0.57 percent, it's gone down to 0.53 percent. Now, that might seem small, but. That when you consider there's a population of 1.14 billion, it's quite significant. And if I give you another figure, 
12 million babies were born last year and there was 18 million babies born in 2016. So a difference of 6 million babies over the course of five years. So that might give you some sort of an idea of how much it's it's going down. Now, the reason you, you, you said at the top of the item, you said basically, you know, that it might not be a bad thing. But I think China would look at its neighbors like Japan and Korea, particularly Japan, where they have terrible problems with people living too long um and and the people underneath them can't pay for it right and and it's a problem in parts of europe as well spain and italy have the have the same issue in many respects as well so they're looking at it from that point of view and sort of saying to themselves well maybe you know the the measures that we brought in a few years ago because you, you remember that they stopped the one child policy um a few years ago um there's pressure on them from some certain sectors to bring in other policies to try and encourage uh, people to have more children so that they can pay for the inevitable, um, you know, the, the, the inevitable rise in people living longer due to the fact that their their incomes are going up and they have better lifestyles than they did 30 or 40 years ago. Mm. So it's uh, it's it's a tough one to know, which is uh, w- whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. So kind of long term y- y- pensions time bomb, but for a billion people. Absolutely, Sean. That's yeah. that's that's the whole thing, really. You know, um, so uh, you know something that they all seem to look at in this part of the world, and 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 it seems to be uh, uh, they view it anyway uh, in certain sectors sectors as as problematic, shall we say, or at least something to keep an eye on. But still, a massive population. Right. right? So. Well, at the same time, if China can pursue a one-child policy for many years, they could probably institute a four-child policy uh, for the next couple of decades to fix the well, problem indeed. for themselves. <laughs> Uh, right, uh, uh, Cameroon we're going to go to uh, now and uh, a transgender woman has been jailed there. It's two transgender women, uh, but but there's one that stands out mainly because she's a, a YouTuber um, called Shakiro, which is a, a beautiful name. And uh, this 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 person is, is quite famous uh, on YouTube, has a good few followers and that kind of thing. And she's great really um, because she comes on, she highlights problems with um, Cameroon's LGBTQ community. Um, you know, Cameroon is one of 31 uh, African countries that criminalizes gay sex and homosexuality and that kind of thing. But what's interesting about these two women, uh, Shakira and her friend Patricia, uh, they have been in detention since February after they were arrested in a rest at a restaurant, right? And the charges or the charges and the conviction now, in fact, that they've been found guilty of is attempting homosexuality. Now, I'm not exactly sure how one does that, mm. uh, uh, to be honest with you, but that's what they were charged and sentenced to five years for. Along with that, they... What's uh, the, sorry to interrupt, Jonathan. What's the burden yeah. of proof with that charge? Well, exactly. There is none. And this is why the um, court, or sorry, this is why the lawyers are going to appeal straight away, because they're saying there's no proof of homosexual acts committed. Now, these two guys, you know, they they they... they they were dressed in women's clothing, right? And that's like what they do. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're attempting homosexuality. They're outraging public decency. Okay, whatever. That's a matter of opinion. There was problems with their ID cards. Okay, that's a matter of fact, perhaps. But the attempting homosexuality side of things, no proof whatsoever. So, um, but it's very hard uh, in that part of the world. To prove yeah. otherwise. Uh, know, to uh, this it, is you know? five years that uh, they're, they're looking at. 
Yeah, five years. And and here's another thing, Sean. <clears throat> they also have to pay a fine. And, uh, and now it's, it's relatively small. You know, you'd, you'd probably be able to set up a GoFundMe page and pay it for them, no problem. Um, but the uh, if they don't pay it off, they're faced with another 12 months on top of the five years. Um, so it's uh, it's it's fairly harsh, to be honest with you. Um, but again, uh, there's been a good bit of, of, of international publicity about this and uh, hopefully a bit of pressure will come to bear on them. But that said, you know, the the the, um, the the government there wouldn't be noted for their flexibility, shall we say. And they, and they have a lot of other problems, internal problems as well. And in that part of the world, it should be said as well, how many countries in, in Africa have uh, outlawed homosexuality? Criminalised gay sex, 31. Wow. And some of them are going backwards, like Uganda is, you know, trying to make it even worse. And I think Cameroon themselves brought in legislation oh, maybe two or three years ago to... to to, to sort of tighten restrictions, if you know what I mean, or or, or to, to, to make the sentences harsher. Um, so it's kind of going backwards. Right, Ivory Coast, we're going to go to uh, next, where 68 children have been rescued from doing what? Yeah, this is, a, I suppose you could say it's a good news story in, in one respect, that the, these 68 children will be going back to their, their homes in Burkina Faso and Mali. Um, they were being used on farms, they were being used on farms in um, the Ivory Coast uh, to pick coca beans, basically. Um, it's a problem uh, in this part of the world. Like uh, The Ivory Coast is the top coca producer in the world. 45% of the world's coca comes from here. And for a long time, we have known that, that child labor is used on these farms right now. Um, it, it's great that, you know, the the government there the authorities are there are trying to crack down on this and they're going into farms and they're essentially rescuing children and sending them home and in this case as you said there was 68 but it, it's still ongoing and i think uh, this was really uh, highlighted back in february there was another story where uh, in as i said february this year eight children who claimed they were used as slaves uh, on some of these farms are actually taking a case against some companies in the United States, um, some of the bigger uh, chocolate companies I, I may not, might mention uh, on air, but um, the, these kids, basically the age of them, they're teenagers now uh, or in their early 20s, but uh, they were taken from a very young age and they were from Mali and they're basically seeking damages um, for you know negligent supervision and uh, unjust enrichment and various different things like that. And they basically say that even though the companies don't own the farms, they knowingly profited mm. from child labor. Now, various different statements that the companies have come out with since February have basically said, well, you know, well, for the main, they've said we can't comment on an ongoing case. Some of them have said, oh, well, we do our best to, to make sure this doesn't happen and we're, we, we will do our best to stamp it out. But it undoubtedly continues. And uh, you could say that these 68 children that have been rescued is more proof of that. Yeah. Right, uh, Australia, we're going to go to next. Another story involving children, but this is uh, this involves attacks by dingoes. Yeah, this is uh, happening on uh, Queensland, Queensland's Fraser Island. Uh, if anybody's been to Queensland, they, they might know this place because it's a, it's a bit of a destination. And I believe it's the world's largest sand island. Uh, so there you go as well. Uh, but the, the, the government there, the state government is going to spend $2 million on a fence 
around Orchid Beach. It's on the northeast of Fraser Island. And um, the reason they're doing it is because there have been quite a few attacks on children in the area, uh, or at least threatening behavior, um, that, that, that d- dingoes that have been, been, been uh, threatening children. So there was a four-year-old boy who was bitten on the leg there earlier this month. Um, a toddler was mauled in April, uh, February, a nine-year-old boy was 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 saved by his father from being attacked, and there's various other instances. So they they basically the Queensland Environment Minister has basically said that they're going to build this fence to try and you know protect people, but also to you know keep the dingoes out. And uh, because this is part of the problem, Sean, um, <clears throat> humans are interacting with them. Mm. It's like the people going down to the park feeding the swans, you know, and going up really close to them and then wondering why they're being hissed and bitten. But it's that kind of thing. Um, uh, this is a bit, a, a, a bit more serious, perhaps, but it, but it is that kind of thing where, where dingoes, wild animals, are basically coming into the, the human realm and uh, humans are trying to interact with them and dingoes are sort of going, well, okay, there's nothing to fear from these guys. And that's why children are being attacked. Um, so they have to take these measures. Right. Okay. Uh, and there will be a fine now in future if you're if you're caught feeding a dingo or just yeah, ten thousand dollars of a fine. Uh, basically, if you if you feed or intentionally disturb a dingo, so uh, that's probably a, a sensible move. Right. Uh, finally, El Salvador. We're going to go to, and uh, this is a pretty grim story. Uh, yeah. uh, bodies found on the land of a police officer. Yeah, this is uh, a police officer by the name of Hugo Osorio. Uh, he's a fifty-one-year-old, and he was actually fired as a police officer in two thousand and five. Um, for sexually aggressive behaviour and, and was in prison for five years, would you believe, before. So I, I would imagine he was on the, the radar of, uh, of his former colleagues in El Salvador for a time. Um, but in this case, uh, the bodies of seven women and three children have been discovered on, on, on his property. And uh, the gruesome truth of this is that the, the police are, are, are looking for more, in fact. Um, they think that there are at least 25 people considered missing in the area over the last number of years. Um, other people have been brought in for questioning around these. He has already admitted the murder of some of these these these, these people already. Um, but it is, a ver- as you can imagine, in, in, in El Salvador, this is absolutely massive headline news. It's all over the newspapers and TV there. And uh, it could be a really, uh, as it progresses, it could be a really grim story. Indeed, it is already. Right, so yeah. uh, what things should we look out for in, in the coming week? Yeah, there's a few things coming up, I suppose. Um, on Friday, uh, South Korean President Moon Jae-in is going to visit the White House for talks with the US President Joe Biden. No doubt North Korea and various other things will be on the agenda there. Although it's funny with Trump gone now, you don't hear about it as much. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Rocket Man is, is no more. Um, and then there's also on Sunday, there's elections in Cyprus and elections in Vietnam, um, they will be very different elections, Sean, I can tell you. In one, you have a choice. In the other, you don't really. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how the one in Cyprus pans out. We already know how the one in Vietnam is going to go. Jonathan, thanks a million as ever. Jonathan DeBurka Butler, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. Are animals sentient? Moncrief on News Talk.